verse there, his word will not fail you, you promise. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And uh, So let's take our Bibles uh, this morning to Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1. If you didn't get a copy of the notes, uh, could I have uh, um, Brother Bonnie, could you help uh, hand out uh, some notes uh, for this uh, sermon tonight, uh, this morning uh, about our third lesson on the attributes of God. Uh, today we look at omnipotence, omnipotence, and so uh, Genesis chapter 1, and if you need help finding that, go to your table of contents and turn right, and so Genesis chapter number 1, and verse number 1, and uh, before we begin reading, I was uh, thinking about this message this week, and uh, this week uh, my wife, uh, she asked me to, to take care of a project that she's been wanting me to take care of and uh, she asked me to take down the towel bar that was in our master bathroom uh, because the anchors uh, that were holding up that towel bar they were they're starting to pull out of the wall and uh, my wife she wisely foresaw uh, that there could be great damage if those anchors pulled out of the wall and and they could pull out and pull out a lot more drywall uh, than they would if I removed it and so now this was uh when I when I said uh, we see here uh, when I when I say this was uh, this week she asked me uh, this wasn't the first time that she asked me she'd asked me a couple times already in the past few weeks and uh, so I was reluctant to first because I didn't really see a problem with it I didn't really see any issue with you know it, it looks like it's fine it should hold up it, it looks like it holds a towel just fine and so I it, I didn't really see any problem with it but this week. Uh, B, she, she asked me in her serious tone, she says, Colton, uh, take down the towel bar. And I'm like, okay. And I told her I would, I would do it by tonight. I told her that day, I'll, I'll do it by tonight, okay? Uh, I, and now, how many of you men ever get busy and you get working on a project and you get busy in, in a hobby or maybe some project that you're working on for work, you get busy at it? Uh, how many of you ever you know, been busy working on something? And then the end of the night comes and you're like, all right, I'm done. You put it away, you put everything... <coughs> pack everything up and all right time to hop in the bed go to sleep and so that happened to me I was working on something and I forget what it was but uh, I was working on it put it away and uh, I was in, a, in this extreme session of focus working on it and as soon as I got done I just first thing I want to do is go to sleep and so uh, the next morning before I woke up uh, on my day off I, I went downstairs boiled some water made some coffee and uh, I got finished making my coffee and enjoying it as I read my bible that morning and about an hour or so later, B gets up, my wife, and she starts going on about her day. She comes downstairs and she finds me and says, oh, I forgot something, I need to go to the bathroom. So she goes upstairs, grabs something from the bathroom, and as she's leaving the bathroom, she turns and she sees the towel bar. <laughs> and, I'm, and she calls down from upstairs and she says, Colton, you forgot to take down the towel bar. And how many of you husbands have ever been in this situation? You, you said, I'll do it, honey. I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll take care of that problem. And, uh, you know, you have all intention of doing it. You have all uh, purpose of doing it in your heart. You want to do it because you love your wife. And so, you know, uh, you, you do it and you forget. You say you'll do it and then you forget. Uh, so I failed to, to do uh, what I said I would. And I, eventually I did take it down. I did take it down. But, you know, uh, God's omnipotence is not like this at all. As we look at this subject today, God can do whatever he wills. Yeah. God, what God says, he will do. 
And I'm thankful that God is, is like that. What he says, when God says he will do something, it's as good as done. And so uh, we, I want to look at this topic today, God's omnipotence. And as we continue our series on the attributes of God, uh, today we learn that God is omnipotent. Uh, the God we serve is faithful and consistent. We can rely on him. So let's look at our text this morning. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 will read, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so let's pray as we begin. Father, I thank you for this morning as we look at this attribute of who you are, as we learn more about who you are. Lord, help us today as we learn about your omnipotence, your all-powerfulness. I ask that you would help us to... Uh, rely on you this morning to take these truths that we learn from your word, uh, the things that we learn about you, and apply it to our hearts, Lord, that we would have faith in you. Uh, Lord, I pray for uh, this morning as we uh, look into this this topic, Lord, that you would uh, fill me with your spirit. Help me, Lord, as I preach. Uh, Lord, I need your help. Lord, I need your power. And Lord, I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so for some background uh, today, before we get started, as a way of uh, review. Uh, we are currently, we're studying the, the non-moral, non-communicable attributes of God. So those are some big words. Basically all I mean is these attributes have no moral implication. They, they aren't tied to morality. Uh, and so we have that. And then non-communicable, that word just simply means that only God can possess these attributes. And so uh, we see omnipotence uh, is the third of four non communicable attributes that God possesses. And we uh, looked at omniscience and omnipotence in the last few months. Uh, if you haven't heard those messages yet, you can go online and listen to those and uh, get caught up in our series. Uh, and so today we will learn about our God being the God of all power. And since we cannot ourselves be omnipotent, we must remember uh, to rely on him who is uh, many people, they try to live their lives as if they are all-powerful. They try to uh, live their lives in a way that they think that, you know, I, I got it. I got all the power in the world. And they, you know, they burn out. They, they run out of energy. They, uh, they, are, they realize, uh, they soon find out that they uh, haven't, uh, if they haven't already, they find out that we as humans are frail. We are weak and we will reach our limit one day. Uh, and so... Today in your notes, we see number one, a definition of omnipotence. A definition of omnipotence. Uh, we saw uh, there uh, kind of a brief description of omnipotence, but if I were to uh, look into the dictionary and kind of find what does a dictionary define this word as, uh, what does omnipotence mean? Cambridge Dictionary defines uh, omnipotence as having unlimited power and able to do anything. And so uh, this is, you know, this is a very general base level description, but I believe uh, that this definition, uh, it, it, it doesn't accurately describe omnipotence in the context of the God of the Bible. I believe there's a lot deeper meaning to this attribute. Uh, and to, you know, kind of understand that, uh, I want to look at a, 
uh, a kind of a question that a lot of atheists and agnostics and unbelievers have about this attribute of God. And so letter A, uh, we see the paradox of the stone. The paradox of the stone. Uh, there's an often quoted paradox that we see that unbelievers will ask uh, that they try to use it to disprove God's omnipotence. And the paradox, it often goes as follows. Could God create a stone so heavy that he could not lift it? The simple uh, answer to this question, if we get to the, you know, it's too, uh, the explanation might be too long for you. The simple answer, if you want to just get this here, is that this is a contradictory, absurd question. Uh, there's no answer to this question that would obey logic. Now, uh, if I can indulge you and go into more detail here, uh, this, this question, it, it, the very question is non-logical. Uh, it doesn't follow logic, and so therefore it can't be argued with logic. But I, a way to think about this paradox is that maybe the moment that an, um, the omnipotent God would make a stone he cannot lift, it is the same moment he ceases to be God. Uh, God must be omnipotent to be God because if he w uh, wasn't, then he would, uh, could not always keep his word. Uh, he could not enforce it. And so we see uh, he would be powerless to create. Uh, we learn in Genesis 1, we see how God created the heaven and the earth. And God spoke. He said, let there be light, and there was light. If God was not omnipotent, we could not even have this discussion about uh, omnipotence today. There, there, was, there would be no way to even ponder this question about the stone. And so uh, we see Augustine, he argued that God could not do anything or create any situation that would, in effect, make God not God. As well, we see C.S. Lewis, he uh, concludes his argument uh, on this matter of the, this paradox. He says, unless something is self evident nothing can be proved this implies for the debate on omnipotence that as in matter so in the human understanding of truth it makes no true insight to destroy a perfectly integrated structure and the effort to destroy has greater effect than an equal effort to build so a man is thought a fool who assumes its integrity and thought an abomination who argues for it and this line here where he says uh, I love this line, it is, easier, it is easier to teach a fish to swim in outer space than to convince a room full of ignorant fools why it cannot be done. And I believe, you know, the Bible speaks about in, in Proverbs, you know, answer a fool according to his folly. And then in the next verse it says, answer not a fool according to his folly. It's talking about having discretion about answering people. You know, this question, uh, people who ask this question, uh, the Bible would probably describe them as foolish, unbelieving, uh, God, uh, not believing in God. And we see uh, that they uh, just want to ask this question so that they could have an excuse uh, why not to believe in God. But we see the, the question doesn't even make sense. And so as we continue on, I believe uh, there is a better definition of omnipotence. Number two, a better definition of omnipotence. Uh, many would define omnipotence, as I just explained, uh, as God has the power to do anything. Uh, but I believe that definition is lacking and not accurate uh, according to the Bible. I believe omnipotence is better defined as the ability of God to do anything he wills that is possible 
within his nature. The ability of God to do anything he wills that is possible within his nature. And so, as well, we see Thesan, he defines omnipotence as God is all-powerful and able to do whatever he wills. And since his will is limited by his nature, God can do everything that is in harmony with his perfections. And so you see, God will not do anything that is contrary to his word. Uh, how many of you have ever had a friend or a, a co-worker say, I'll do that for you, I'll take care of that, I'll do something for you, and then the next day, you know, they, they didn't do it for you? you? You Probably every one of us here has had someone in our lives say, you know, I'm going to do that, and then they do the opposite, you know? God will never do anything that is contrary uh, to his word or his nature. And I believe that we see this idea uh, posed in, a, in another way, phrased in another way in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It reads, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. And I believe that idea that God will not do anything contrary to his nature, uh, God cannot not believe in his self. Uh, God cannot uh, not believe in his self, and God cannot deny his existence uh, for doing so would contradict his character. He, that would be lying. He, he is not a God that lies. In order to God for God to say that he does not exist, uh, he would have to lie. Uh, and so God is truth, and the Bible says that he can't lie. And there are some things, by implication of God's uh, um, uh, omnipotence, there are some things by God's um, uh, implication of God's omnipotence that he cannot do. Uh, there's some things like making a circle squared. Uh, he cannot make a circle squared. He cannot make two plus two equals six. Uh, he cannot make something that is wrong right. Uh, so many in our world today try to make things that are wrong. Uh, according to the Bible, they try to make them right. The Bible says, woe unto them that uh, call right, right wrong and wrong right. And so uh, we see God cannot do uh, these things that are contrary to his nature. Uh, he cannot be unfaithful to who he is uh, because... He is consistent. Letter A, God is consistent. In that God is omnipotent, we learn that he is consistent. What he says he will do, uh, he is reliably powerful. God is reliably powerful. Uh, God's omnipotence is connected with his word in a way. We see when God said in Genesis 1-3, let there be light... His omnipotence required that there be light. If God says it, he will do it. And that's a wonderful promise to say. If God says that he will do something, he will. He will do it. Uh, you can trust him. Uh, what God says, that he will do. Uh, you can rest on the promises of God this morning because he is omnipotent. Uh, we see in Ezekiel chapter 24. Let's, let's turn there, Ezekiel 24. Uh, if you don't have a Bible this morning, I believe this is in your notes. Uh, yes, it is. Ezekiel chapter 24. I, the Lord, have spoken it. It shall come to pass, and I will do it. I will not go back, neither will I spare, neither will I repent according to thy ways. 
and according to thy doings shall they judge thee, saith the Lord God. And so we see God uh, has promised to do what he says. Uh, what he says he will do. His word is reliable. We see uh, also in Titus, in chapter 1, we see in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. You know, I, I deal with this question so many times when I'm out soul winning, uh, that, you know, people don't believe that you can know that you are on your way to heaven. People don't believe that you can know for certainty uh, that you have eternal life. And God says, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. In, in 1 John chapter 5, and verse 13, we read, And uh, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And so we see God does all he intends to do. God does all he intends to do. And then number three, as we continue on, uh, we'll dig in a little deeper here now, we see omnipotence in Scripture. Omnipotence in Scripture. Where does the Bible say that God is omnipotent? Uh, where, where do we find this uh, teaching in the Bible? And I believe uh, before we look at a kind of uh, a overview, a survey of the Bible, I believe there's three clear declarations. Three clear declarations, uh, letter A there, uh, three clear declarations of where the Bible uh, speaks about this idea of omnipotence. And Psalm 115, verse number three, we read, But our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And I believe that that uh, kind of shows the truth that God, what God says, what he pleases to do, that will he do. Uh, and then Jeremiah uh, chapter 32 and verse 17, we read, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Uh, I'm thankful for that promise that, you know, there's nothing too hard for our God. You know, if there's, a, if there's a struggle that you're going through in your life today, if there's some difficulty that you're facing, there's some big question in your life, uh, you're going through a trial, a loss of a loved one, there is nothing that I could say that is too hard for our God. And then, so we see also uh, in Revelation, uh, one of the, the third clear declarations of God's omnipotence, we see in Revelation 19, Verse number six, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. If it could be any clearer, God is saying, I am omnipotent. Uh, God is all-powerful. He can do uh, whatsoever he wills to do. And so we see this, this verse here, Revelation 19, uh, this is the only verse uh, which contains the word omnipotent, uh, and there's no other verses that contain the word omnipotence. And so this, this verse very clearly teaches that God, uh, he is omnipotent. Uh, so letter B as well, as we continue on, um, you've got a lot of blanks here, so I'll, I'll try to go slow here as we look through. Letter B is, God demonstrated his omnipotence. God demonstrated his omnipotence. Uh, God's power, his great, great power, 
almighty power has been demonstrated in multiple situations uh, and stories and accounts in the Bible. We see in Genesis chapter 1, as we read, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. I do not uh, believe in the lie of evolution today. I, I believe that uh, God has created the world. He, in his power, does not need evolution uh, to create the world. Uh, there are so many Christians today who have just you know, blind, uh, blindly believed the lie uh, that we have all come about by accident. I believe that God had, uh, he purposely made us. Uh, he has a purpose for our lives that he created this world. Uh, and, and if you just look outside, I mean, the, the, the detail and the complexity of life, if you even think about the complexity of the, the eyeball and just how that works, uh, for that to happen by accident, I, I, it, if, I feel like that's more faith than I would have to believe in God creating the world. And so we see God just demonstrated his omnipotence in creation, uh, letter I, uh, and then number, Roman, number, Roman numeral number two, uh, we see God demonstrated his omnipotence to Moses in the crossing of the Red Sea. We see to Moses uh, in Exodus chapter 14, uh, let's look at verse 21 and verse 31 as well. Exodus 14, 21, we read, And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And Israel saw the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. We see in this instance here, uh, God was uh, taking his people, uh, the children of Israel, out of Egypt and bringing them into the promised land, into Canaan. Moses is leading them, and God demonstrates his great power uh, to uh, the, the nation uh, of Israel and the, the people in that area. Uh, the Egyptians heard of this, and the people who live in Canaan, we, we hear about when Rahab the harlot, uh, we, they, they meet her and Jericho. Uh, we see she even references, you know, God has done this great and mighty work of allowing you to cross the Red Sea by parting the waters and making the ground dry. We see God's power, uh, his omnipotence is demonstrated to Moses. And then Roman numeral three, we see demonstrated uh, to Abraham. Demonstrated to Abraham. When uh, Abraham doubted that God could give him a child in his old age. Uh, we see God tells him this. Genesis chapter 18. Let's, let's turn there. I believe most of you are probably in Genesis chapter 1 right now. But Genesis chapter 18 and verse number 13. We see... Verse number 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of, of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and sh Sarah shall have a son. We see God is telling uh, Abraham here that, you know, is anything too hard for me? I am the God of all power. I am omnipotent. I can uh, allow you to have a son in your old age. And we know, as you continue reading on in, in this passage, that uh, Abraham does 
have a child uh, of his own uh, with his wife Sarah and so we uh, we see God fulfilled his promise again as what God says that will he do because he is omnipotent and then uh, Roman numeral four as we continue looking uh, through a survey of this of the Bible uh, we see to the Hebrews in the fire uh, God demonstrated his omnipotence to the three Hebrews in the fire Shadrach Meshach and Abednego uh, they realized the almighty power of God in the furnace and in Daniel chapter 3 uh, verse number 19 we see uh, just leading up to this verse uh, Nebuchadnezzar the the king at the time in this area uh, he had commanded that uh, there would be a statue uh, put up a golden statue uh, that uh, in the form of, of his visage what he looked like so this big uh, statue a very uh, narcissistic kind of man say I gotta I gotta have a golden statue of myself and then he tells everyone that uh, they should uh, when they hear music being played uh, that they need to bow down and worship before the statue and so this this leader uh, we see uh, full of himself uh, but these three men Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they decided uh, that they serve the Lord God that they will not worship anyone else other than the Lord God and so in Daniel chapter 3 verse 19 then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded them that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then, those, then these men were bound in their coats their hosen and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men which that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar, he's probably thinking, well, that's taken care of. That's all done. Uh, we, we don't have to worry about them anymore. But we see the next verse. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. Uh, he was astonished. Uh, he was amazed. And rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I, I see four men uh, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. I believe this, this is just such a wonderful uh, illustration of the power of God. These three men who believed the, the God of the Bible, uh, they trusted him. Uh, they, in a situation that seemed like there's no possibility that they could get out of this, uh, that they would lose their lives for his sake, uh, we see God use his great power 
uh, to save them alive. And it, it worked in the heart of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. We see him uh, later on, uh, you know, putting them in a place of authority, and he commanded the people to, you know, worship the Most High God. And so we see those, there's some examples there of God demonstrating his uh, power, his omnipotence uh, in the Old Testament. And we continue now uh, to Roman numeral 5. And we look in the New Testament now uh, to Lazarus. Uh, you see God demonstrates his power to Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus in John chapter 11. Let's turn there. John chapter 11 and verse number 38. And uh, actually, let, let's back up here. This is a wonderful passage that speaks about his power. Uh, I'll uh, read through this, this portion here. Now, uh, verse number one. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, uh, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord which with ointment and wiped his feet and with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And now Jesus loved Martha, Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, and he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that saith he to then, then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? They're saying, You're you're crazy, Jesus. We we can't go back there. They they're gonna kill you. And so, in verse number 9, Jesus answered, are, they, are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if, if he sleep, he do well. If he's sick and you know, he's, he's uh, sick unto death and he's resting now, this is good. We shouldn't wake him up. Uh, and we see the Lord you know, trying to get their, their understanding. He has to say this very plainly to them. Albeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then, Jesus, then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I imagine that was a blow to them. If, if uh, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, I imagine the disciples were uh, friends and acquaintances of Lazarus. And so we see uh, Jesus say, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent he may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And so as we continue down, we look in verse uh, number uh, twenty. Verse number 20 here, we see, Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, wept and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. 
Martha saith unto him, I, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Uh, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I believe God can still do that today. Jesus can do that today in your, your heart. Uh, if you uh, have not uh, received Christ as your Savior, the Bible describes uh, those who have not received Christ as their Savior as being dead. Uh, but you can be made alive uh, through Christ. Amen. So let's continue on. Uh, verse number 26. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I, I believe that thou art the Christ, the the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had said so, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and, and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, uh, we see, uh, we went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then, when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, mm -hmm. if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold, how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take, take, away, take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time uh, he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth! And he that was dead came forth, and bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin, Jesus saith unto him, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. We see this picture here of, of Jesus demonstrating his great power even over death. Uh, Jesus has power over death. God is omnipotent. Uh, and he has power over death, and he demonstrated this power to Lazarus. And so as we continue on, uh, we see also that God demonstrated his power to Peter. Uh, Roman numeral 6, to Peter. Uh, we see in Matthew chapter 14, 
And verse number 22, uh, we see in straightway Jesus commanded, constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him onto the other side and while he sent the multitudes away. And we see, uh, we've, we've teached uh, about this passage, pastors talked about this in our Sunday school uh, just a few weeks ago about uh, Peter uh, walking on the water. It's a well-known story about where uh, the disciples are in a boat, the storm is uh, strong, the wind is uh, contrary, and, and they're just fearing for their lives, and they see uh, this figure come walking to them, to them on the water, and they're afraid, and Jesus calls out to them and says, fear not, it is I, it's the Lord, and Jesus, uh, we see, is there walking on the water, coming out to them on the sea, and Peter uh, sees Jesus there on the water, and we see here in verse number 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Uh, and when he's, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I, I see a picture here, uh, something that we learn about God's omnipotence, is that God can enable you uh, with his power to do things that are beyond yourself. God can enable you to do things that seem impossible to everyone else. I think I've preached before about how there's 11 other men in this boat. But Peter was the only one that looked at Jesus and said, I believe that if I step out on this water, you can allow me to walk. Peter uh, believed uh, that God, God, Jesus, the Son of God, would be able to uh, make him uh, be able to walk on the water. We see uh, God's power... His omnipotence was demonstrated to Peter. And then as we continue on in a similar situation, uh, Roman numeral number seven, uh, to the disciples, to the disciples on the sea. The disciples, they uh, were out on the sea again in a boat. And we see in Mark chapter four, verse 35, and the same day when, when the even was come, he says unto them, let us pass over onto the other side. And so they, they took a ship, they uh, started to sail, and it says in 37, and there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Uh, there, there are waters, waters coming into the boat. There's, there's not enough effort that they can exert to bail the boat out of water. It seems like they're going to sink. And we see Jesus is in the boat with them. Jesus is in the boat, and uh, it says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they wake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And we see, uh, and we continue on, and he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Uh, they had seen uh, God... Jesus demonstrated his great power many times before. And how are you so fearful? Why are they so why are you so afraid? He says to them. Why do you have no faith? And in verse number 41, we see, and they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? That even the wind and sea obey him. We see Jesus demonstrated that he is God. Uh, through his omnipotent power to control even the elements of nature itself, the wind and the sea. He has power over it. 
uh, simply by a word. And then number Roman numeral eights we see in the resurrection. I'm thankful that God has demonstrated his power in the resurrection. Uh, we see in Matthew chapter 28, verse number one, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. They went there, Mary and Mary Magdalene, they're coming to see where Jesus was buried uh, in, the, in the tomb. And so we see verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, and the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead man. Uh, and the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell, the disciples, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. Behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples' word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus, sons of them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they, see, that they go into Galilee, uh, and there shall they see me. We see... God's great power, his omnipotence, demonstrated in the resurrection. Uh, Jesus, rising again from the grave after being buried for three days, three nights. Uh, Jesus demonstrating, in the, I believe, in the greatest picture, power over death by himself conquering the grave. And I believe this is the key thing that makes Christianity different than all other religions. This is the key thing that our God is not a God that is in a tomb somewhere. Our God is not a God that is dead, is bound up, and, and people go to uh, gather around the tomb or the grave, wherever their God is. Our God is a living God. Amen. Our God is a God of power. Amen. And I believe uh, that this is the key thing that makes Christianity different than all other religions in the world. All the other gods, the God of Islam is dead. The God of Buddha, uh, Buddhism is dead. Uh, the God of fill in the blank is dead. But the God of Christianity is alive. Amen. And then we see number nine, Roman numeral nine, we see God's power in the Great Commission. God's power is, is omnipotence is, is demonstrated in the Great Commission. And if you were to continue reading in Matthew 28 there, in verse number 18, we see Jesus speaking to the disciples. Verse number 18 reads, And Jesus came... And spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. And we see, we see God has demonstrated uh, his power in the Great Commission that we can have his power to go and share the gospel uh, with others, that we can uh, rely on his power to witness to those who do not believe. And so we see Jesus has demonstrated uh, here in the Great Commission that he has omnipotence. And so as we conclude today, what 
implications does God being omnipotent have? Number four, what are the implications of omnipotence? I believe, letter A, because God is omnipotent, he is also absolutely sovereign. He is also absolutely sovereign. And that word sovereign just means that he has the right and authority and power to do what he wants with what is his. And I believe that everything that exists is his. Uh, he made it. Uh, everything that I have, everything that you have has come from God. We see Job understood this, this idea uh, that if God has the right to do what he wants with what is his, he has the power to do so. Job 42, verse 1, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Job understood very well in his life as he went through this trial, in his life of losing his, uh, his sons and daughters, and losing his livestock, and losing his house, and losing everything that he had that he loved, save his wife. He understood that God could do anything that he wished with what was his. He understood that what he had wasn't truly his. It was the Lord's and that God could do what he willed. And God is absolutely sovereign. So letter B we see as well, because God is omnipotent, Christians can trust him in all things. Uh, and I believe uh, if I expand that statement there, I believe anyone can trust him in all things. Not just Christians, anyone can trust him in all things. There is no situation that you can be in that God cannot help you through. There is no problem too great for him to solve. There is no difficulty that he does not have the power to help you with. There is no trial that he is caught off uh, guard by. He is able and willing to help. We see in, in Matthew 10, I, I've referenced this passage every single time uh, that we have studied the attributes of God so far. Matthew 10, verse 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. We see, in order for God to know that one of these sparrows has fallen to the ground, for in order for God to know uh, that the amount of hairs on our head, and for some of us, that's a lot easier than others. And so we see, in order for God to know these things, he's got to be, one, he's got to be omniscient. He's got to be omnipresent, as we've learned. But he's got to be omnipotent to be able to do this. He's got to have the power to be, be able to, everywhere, to be, be everywhere, uh, to know all things. He, without the power behind it, he, he cannot. I believe uh, that his omnipotence is key in this. Uh, God knows about you, and he knows every detail of your life. He, he is intimately involved in the details of your life. He knows about you, and he cares about you. And so we can trust him in all things, in all things in our lives. Uh, we can trust him because he knows. Uh, we can trust him because he is omnipotent. He can take care of the problems that we have. And then we see letter C. Because God is omnipotent, Prayer is effective. And this is a, a great comfort. Many people worshiping false gods, they pray and pray and pray. They spend hours a day, uh, and many of them pray more than we ought to, uh, more, more than we have, uh, rather, uh, more than we do. Uh, yet their God does not hear them because 
their God is one dead, but also not omnipotent. Their, our God, because our God is omnipotent, prayer is effective. Our God not only hears us when, he, when we pray, not only does he have that ability, but also he can do something about what we pray for. Uh, he can respond to our prayers and do what we cannot. We see in, in Ephesians 3, verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And I know this is true in my life. I've seen multiple times in my life that God is demonstrating, you know, I was asking him to take care of something, to provide for some need, and he's gone above and beyond what I asked for. Uh, and he has taken care of uh, so many things in my life. He's gone beyond, uh, above and beyond what I expected. I remember in college, I I was, you know, paying for my bill, working, and I was wondering how, how in the world am I going to pay for this forty, fifty thousand American dollars uh, tuition uh, to be able to go to school? And I thought, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this working a 20-hour job a week. Uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this just by a scholarship uh, program, doing uh, work in the summer. How am I going to do this, God? And God, uh, through other people and through uh, different uh, people, He worked in their hearts and provided. Uh, people anonymously gave and provided. I don't know who it is, uh, but God, He provided uh, for my needs. Uh, he was able to do what I could not. And so we see uh, in First John as well this idea that uh, prayer is effective. Uh, we see, and this is the confidence. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. I believe that, you know, God has promised us uh, if we ask anything in his name, he will give it to us. Are, are you taking advantage of that? Are you actually taking advantage of that? Are you asking God for all of your needs, all of your uh, the desires that uh, you have? Uh, if they are according to his will, uh, God promises, you know, if that's according to my will, I will give it to you. Anything we ask in his name. Uh, if we desire, you know, you're, you're trying to reach people for Christ and you, you want to reach five people and uh, you're not sure how you're going to do it. You can ask him, God, can you help me to be able to reach five people this week? Uh, and God can help you if you rely on him, if you trust him for that. And then letter D, because God is omnipotent, the debt of sin will be enforced. The debt of sin is enforced. Uh, one way or another, the, the price of our sin must be paid for. And... God not only has a moral law, God has not only given us his law, God has the power to enforce that law. Uh, God is not just a, a lawgiver that has no force behind him. God has the power to enforce that law. The penalty for sin, God says, is death. In Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Uh, but I'm thankful that it doesn't stop there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But we see that God requires that the debt of sin must be paid by everyone. Everyone in some way has to have that debt of sin paid for. Now you can choose to pay for it yourself. You can choose to pay for it yourself, but you will be still found wanting 
Uh, there, you cannot uh, do enough good works. You cannot go to church enough. You cannot uh, pray enough. You cannot read your Bible enough. There is no amount of good works that we can do that will pay for our sin. Even eternity in hell will not pay for our sin. God's punishment for sin is death, separation from God in a place the Bible calls the lake of fire or hell. But uh, you can choose to trust in Jesus. Uh, you can trust in his death on the cross as the payment for your sin. Uh, he has uh, died in our place so that we could have eternal life. And he has demonstrated that, that uh, if you trust in him, uh, you can rely on him that he says that if we believe, uh, he will give us eternal life. Uh, we see uh, that in uh, letter, letter E as well, uh, because God is omnipotent, there is hope of eternal salvation. Amen. There is hope of eternal salvation. God is not just saying, you know, you can have eternal life, but he has no power to back it up. God has the power to back it up. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. God knew that we would sin against him, and he, made a, he set in order a plan from the very beginning uh, that he would send his son to die in our place, that we could have eternal life if we just trust in his son. And I believe that we can have uh, hope of eternal salvation because God is omnipotent. God can keep his word. And therefore, when he says, we see in Romans chapter 10, and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Amen. And verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible is very clear. I don't uh, understand people who think that you can't be certain on this fact. The Bible is very clear. If you believe on the name of the Lord, if you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you shall be saved. Amen. My friend, you can do that today. If you have not done that in your life, you can do that today. You can trust in Jesus. He can pay for your sin. He can give you eternal life, uh, home in heaven. He can help you uh, have victory over sin in your life today. And he means it. And so today... Uh, as we conclude, because God is omnipotent, you can trust him. I believe that you can trust our omnipotent God. Uh, have you trusted in his son Jesus for salvation? Have you trusted for, in his son to pay for your, the price of your sin? And you know, today, uh, if you need help with that, if you need help uh, in, in knowing what to do, uh, you can... Uh, talk to someone during come up during their invitation time or after service that you can talk to uh, someone uh, can share with you come talk to me about how you can know uh, that you have eternal life are you trusting uh, in God to to take care of your needs uh, every day are you relying on his power to to lead you are you relying on his power to, to witness to others and so uh, let's let's pray as we conclude and then we'll have a time of invitation. Lord, I thank you for uh, today as we've learned about you, how you are the omnipotent God. And God, I ask that you would help us to trust you today. Lord, if there is something in our lives, Lord, if there's someone here who's dealing with a difficulty in their life and uh, struggling and
-hmm. trying to have victory over sin, whatever it may be, Lord. I pray that you help them to trust you today, to know that you can give them victory uh, over that uh, difficulty or trial or sin in their life, Lord, that they can have uh, your power uh, aiding them in, your li in their lives, Lord. And Lord, I also pray, Lord, for he those here today who have not known you as uh, their Savior, uh, do, who do not have a personal relationship with you, Lord, I would hate that, that they would die one day and uh, stand before you and you say unto them that you never knew them. Lord, I ask that you would work in hearts today that if one here has not trusted you as their Savior, that they would come forward, Lord, and they would receive Christ as their Savior. Uh, Lord, I pray for these things, Lord. I pray you would uh, help us to trust you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand.